Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Jeff Swan. So Jeff is the creator, founder of Outbound SOS. He's also a fellow Kelowna-ite, I guess you would say. So we both live in the Kelowna area. We actually got connected by a mutual friend, and we talked about four months ago and just really hit it off. Like It felt like I was just talking to a buddy, talking to a brother, talking to somebody that's been through a very similar path in life. And we actually do have a lot of similarities. We're both from the prairies originally. We both moved out to Vancouver for a fresh start. We both moved to the Okanagan here. Um, We both have families and young kids. And Jeff shared a lot of really interesting insights about his uh, upbringing and, and, you know, just the environment that he was in as a child and what really sharpened the stone, sharpened the tools, sharpened the knife, whatever you want to call it of how he chooses to think and and how his mindset is. And he's really somebody that I think you're going to find inspiration from if you are a, you know, if you are an entrepreneur and maybe you have those moments of, of feeling down if something doesn't go the way you thought it would, or if that master plan doesn't execute exactly how you want it to, or if disaster strikes and the worst possible thing could, could happen, you know? I reference this all the time, talking about the deaths that we experience of not only physical deaths of people around us that can be, you know, very traumatic, but also the death of our identity. Uh, Jeff made a reference to the fact that, you know, he's known exactly what he wanted to do three different times in his life, (laughs) which basically means that he's adapted, he's evolved, he's changed over time. And we had a great chat about all of that. And, and I think, again, you'll, you'll find some inspiration and, and you'll find some great resources that were mentioned even too, if you are in any kind of a sales seat. So, you know, in Jeff's current capacity of what he does, he supports people in the sales seat, whether they are actively doing sales development work, business development work, they're in a sales leadership role. This is another area where we've really connected because, of course, this is what the role that I'm in. And one thing that we really aligned on too is that everything comes back to sales. We are all selling something. We're selling a product. We're selling a product or a service. We're selling ourselves. We're selling ourselves to our partners to enroll them into how amazing our life will be together if we get married. Like there's so many elements to sales. And a lot of times I think people are either fearful fearful of sales or have a negative connotation attached to it. And the approach, and I think the enlightening part that you'll find about Jeff is that he genuinely shows up with service in mind. He is somebody that I actually follow online. I love the content that he puts out. I love the way that he shows up and the way that he supports people with all of the lessons and the gifts that he's learned over the years so that other people can cut that learning curve, become more effective at sales. If you can master sales, you can basically control your own destiny in life, all aspects of it, right? Everything from, you know, the kind of money that you can make, of course, to the things that you can create in your life. It all comes back to sales. So enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. Jeff Swan, welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you here again, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. 
Yeah, I know you and I have only actually talked, I think, twice on Zoom. Um, yep. But we've we've engaged a bit online, of course, too. And I know the first time that that you and I chatted was a number of months ago. We got connected through a mutual contact. We're actually both we're actually both in Kelowna area, anyways. I know you're more on the north side, and I'm actually on the west side. But we'll call ourselves Kelownaites. Is that? Yeah, we're Okanagan. We're OKGN, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So we so we got connected through another uh, OKGN, uh, Danielle yeah. Grant, who yeah. we both each knew d- in different ways, and she just I think connected us with the intent on like I think you guys might get along, and and uh, I would say that yeah we did you know and the yeah. conversations we've had so far have been pretty enjoyable. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I I wanted to have you on the show here because we come from similar backgrounds. We we're in similar you know, kind of businesses and industries and that type of thing. And I just figured we, we could riff on some pretty cool stuff here. So I'll give you a little bit of context. And I know we talked about this before we hit record, but you know, there's a saying, there's a quote that Brene Brown has that I think really will ground us in what we're doing here, which is one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be somebody else's survival guide. So I want to invite you to just go wherever you want to with this conversation of telling bits and pieces of your story and the journey to get you to here. Cause I'm sure it's been a messy one, just like it has for me. And, uh, if we can support other people through these stories, I think we've, we've, uh, accomplished a lot. So with that, <laughs> again, thank you for being here and doing this, man. Yeah, no, this is, a, this is really exciting. Like, like you said, I mean, it's really good. I, I, I moved out here uh, a few years ago, just like you, uh, and I've been amazed at just the peoples I've met and and the rich, deep relationships I've developed. I feel like everybody here is just happier than they are in the big city. I don't, I don't know if there's something about it. And it's just easier to have those conversations. Um, and so when, yeah, when I met Danielle, we clicked right away. Um, she'd talked about you a whole bunch. And so when we actually met in, in like, when she actually connected us to to motivate us to actually talk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was not surprised that it was a really easy conversation. And the reason why is that we've actually gone through similar backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, both of us from the big city, I'm going to call it the big city out here. Uh, some of the, <laughs> you know, our, our, our uh, people in, a, in the U.S. are probably thinking, Three million people is not a big city, right? But, uh, <laughs> it's big enough, and yeah. uh, it, it taught me w- living in Vancouver for about ten years and really kind of sharpening my my, my tool set, like really sharpening my skills and really becoming becoming the salesperson that I always knew I could be, becoming the marketer I knew I could be, and becoming the executive I knew I could be. Uh, it gave me experience that I don't think I would have ever got if I didn't go to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. I- I agree too. Like, I, I think we were there around the same time too, right? Like I just moved out here two years ago and you've been here maybe three years, I think. 2018. 2018. 2018 yeah. Yeah, so like three, three years, years. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Vancouver too, right? Like you were only there for what, 12 years was it? 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So I was there nine. So it was kind of like the same idea, right? Um, mm-hmm. Prairie boys moving east, uh, moving west. Yes. Moving west. <laughs> moving west to the big city. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know what was interesting? I have such a weird background because from the earliest age, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that exactly what I wanted to do changed three, four times. But they were all <laughs> of kind of in the same. Yeah. But they were all kind of in the same 
area, you know, like they were in the same, uh, they started out with art. So I wanted to go into art. I went to my specific high school because I wanted to be in art. Mm. And then halfway through my first semester of drawing, I was like, I ain't like these kids. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to draw all the time. But I took this elective that took me into graphic design, uh, computer, like graphic design, uh, advertising art and photography. And I discovered that I had this real good knack for, um, you know, taking my artistic abilities and putting it on the computer and creating something meaningful out of it. Mm. Um, and so I found myself actually in advertising art, which was effectively just placing graphics and, and, and layouts and fonts and typography and all these other things together to create commercial items. And so mm. And at that moment, I found my love, my passion was taking everything that I, I, I'm good at and turning it into something that can mm. be sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from that age and that age on, I've just really narrowed my focus on I want to stay in marketing. I want to sell stuff. And I even put myself through marketing school by selling commission at uh, what some people on this might know, Future Shop. Oh, Yeah. Which no longer exists. <laughs> Which no longer exists is now Best Buy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, come on. When you're a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old kid and you're able to work four hours and make $200, $300 in commission and you got, mm-hmm. you know, you got bills to pay, tuition, books, of course you're going to take it and you're yeah. going to do it, do it happily, right? Yeah. That's funny you say, because I've never heard you talk about that before, but I'm just thinking about, again, our similarities, because like for me, I grew up in the prairies in Saskatchewan. You were in Winnipeg, I believe, right? That's right. That's right. Um, So very similar, right? Like massively huge football rivalry. But besides that, like we're all pretty much the same people or prairie people, you know? Pretty much. But it's funny you say that about, um, you know, knowing exactly what you want to do. And I changed my mind three times because I can totally relate to that, as well as the idea of being driven by uh, just having conversations with people and selling and enrolling. Like my language on this has changed over the years, but I worked at GNC, General Nutrition Center. That was my retail job, you know, but it was the same kind of thing. I knew that if I dialed in my um, my skill level and actually just became really good at communicating with people and identifying their pains and aligning them with their future vi- version of themselves that I could sell more supplements. You know what I mean? But I yep. had no idea that that's what I was really doing. Like I didn't have all the pieces together. Like, like you and I have conversations now about how you can reverse engineer actually being effective in those skills, right? Like back in the day, it was more just kind of like, yeah, well, that's what I did. That's what, that's what you do, isn't it? Like that's how you sell. So it's really interesting (laughs) to see that evolution. And the other thing I think that stands out for me too, is when you talk about the creativity side of things, I know it was only like three years ago that I ever heard the term of like visionary versus integrator. And when I heard it, I was like, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, holy shit, I'm a visionary. Like why I got to stop trying to do all this other stuff and find somebody to do it with me slash for me, you know? And it sounds like you have a very similar pattern to yourself too, right? It's like you like pulling all the pieces together and and then letting it kind of roll out from there. Is that fair to say? <laughs> oh, 100%, man. I mean, like I, I know just like you when you're at GNC, I, I know that when I apply myself, I can do anything. Like I know that when yeah. I want to prospect, I like I started prospecting on Wednesday last week. I booked eight meetings in four days, something mm-hmm. like that. 
Um, booked another couple in the last two days by not really dedicating prospecting, but just like a fallout from my efforts last week. Uh, yeah, like in in a week's time, I've booked 10 meetings, uh, you know, just like that. And uh, when it comes time to selling, if I have, you know, five deals in front of me, I typically close three to four, mm-hmm. sometimes even five. And I know that when I can concentrate, I can do it. But I found that as a founder, salesperson, uh, service delivery, all those things, it's difficult to do all of those things. So I find yeah. myself having to kind of dip in and pull out and dip in and pull out into all these things I'm mentioning. Um, and and so I recognize that um, because I really like to give it my all on a, on a handful of tasks instead of just doing a lot not that well, I actually took on a partner who thinks like me, uh, believes in the same thing, has the same values, we're in the same circles. We actually volunteered together in a uh, in like a group, and we ended up running a community a, a community of outbound sellers together. And uh, we just recognized that this was a partnership we kind of backed into by accident, and hmm. went, "Why don't we just do business together? You know, <laughs> yeah. we're already partners. We're already doing the things together. Why not just actually get paid together too?" Yeah, and so it was like. Now there's things, even though we're completely aligned, we like the same things, talk about the same things, are aligned on the same things. There's aspects of the job that I love to do that he hates. And there's aspects of the job he loves to do and I hate. And so we end up just taking what we're doing and like chopping it up. So like you said, not really focusing on those areas that it's not that I can't do it. It's that I don't want to do it or (laughs) he does it better. So why would I bother if I don't like it and he's better? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's funny you say that too, because uh, Danielle and I have collaborated on um, different programs and whatnots. And and we're currently working through creating a new offer and a new program where we can work closely together. And we're having those conversations around like, is this a strategic alignment or is it a business partnership or is it a straight up business that has both of our names on it? And, and you actually just got me thinking about... Um, you know, the core skill sets and what I like to do and what she likes to do. And I'm thinking to myself, Danielle and I need an integrator because we're both very much kind of visionary people. We can still get in the trenches and go do the work. Like we're not allergic to it and we're, you know, multi-skilled, I guess you would say. But that awareness um, takes time to recognize. And it's a learned skill. And I find it's something that's my mentors and my school of hard knocks of doing things the hard way way too many times have got me to here. Let's maybe back up to that. So like one of the articles that I found about you was that you actually owned, and this was another similarity, man. This is why I say like, I feel like we're living parallel lives, but you owned (laughs) a, um, a restoration company for a while too, right? And worked in the restoration business. And that's, I actually did the same thing. I actually worked for a restoration company. I never owned one, but that was one of our common links there. And But I understand the nuances of like people business, you know, very lucrative yep. if you can actually turn it into a real business. I've also seen people that own restoration companies that are just an absolute shit show and they don't make any money, you know? Yeah. So, But they, cause, they, they collect a lot of lawsuits though. They do. It, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, well, having been in that world, in that space, so I, I actually grew up on in the restoration business. So my dad um, was the general manager at a couple. He he ran one, like whatever else. Um, so I, I, I kind of grew up around it. And by 16, I was running crews of 
uh, people going into homes, you know, saving them from the emergency disaster of flood, fire, whatever, and then fixing them up. So I would I would go all the way from like the emergency repair, stopping the water that was yep. flooding in the house, all the way through to like you know doing the finishing, doing the painting, and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I got a really good depth of, and breadth of experience, but I realized that was a diversion. It was because my dad was was influencing me doing it. It was a diversion for me. Um, it was taking me away from the creative and and the the business and the marketing focus. So a year into that, I did that for full time after high school for a year. And a year into it, I kind of went, this isn't for me. I don't like, I loved working with my hands. Don't get me wrong, but it's not what I'm good at. It's not my, like my skill set, Right. So yep. I stopped that and I went to university and I put myself through university uh, in, in commerce. And I just decided that I'm going to put myself through this and I'm going to earn my way. And so it was perfect. I had a marketing education, a bachelor of commerce degree, and every night I applied it at Future Shop. So I'd like learn some, some stuff about marketing and sales and I'd go use it at, and to make me commission. It was the best yeah. thing I could have done. <laughs> yeah. And that that was back in Winnipeg then, right? Where the family that was back business in Winnipeg. was, and yeah, gotcha. And then you actually owned a company too, doing something very similar, right? Yeah. So check this out. So I was a consultant for many years of helping people with their sales and marketing, and so I took on a contract in uh, flood prevention business. So mm-hmm. where they were actually um, preventing, so put up flood barriers and that kind of stuff, so that the flood doesn't happen in the first place. And I found that, you know, in a, a short period, it was, I think, five months, we'd already doubled the year uh, revenue from the year before. Um, so I found that putting these simple structures in place, you know, um, putting together a sales playbook, having regular sales meetings, doing coach one-on-one coaching calls with my reps, uh, and just being there for them, and then developing, like, really high-quality offers, you know, like um, freebies you can give to customers uh, or prospects free assessments and doing different things to like really engage in uh, the, the market and drum up business. Just these, these things that I did like the, like nature, like breathing to me, they were foreign to the flood business. They were foreign to the industrial world. And so I came in and made a humongous impact in such a short time. And so I kind of thought, you know, I saw dollar signs. I said, I got to be part of this. You know, I have to be part of this business. So I invested in, in starting my own business um, in that market, again, boiled the ocean, had tons of opportunities. I think I had something like almost a million dollars in opportunities in pipeline just before COVID hit. So just oh, before, wow. like last March, at the beginning of March, I looked at it and I went, this is going to be my best month ever. I have 800 <laughs> grand in the pipe. Uh, probably two thirds of it is going to close. Like this is going to be a great year. Yeah. And then boom, boom. COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, all of my pipeline disappeared. All of them. Mm. Not the projects weren't going to happen. They weren't going to happen till this year. Right. Because yeah. all the projects got delayed. And I don't know about you, but anybody out there who started their own business or is in their own business right now, if you have to wait a year for cash flow, guess what happens? Just ain't going to work unless you got some deep pockets or parents that'll loan you some friends and family cash or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not me. Uh, I'm on my own, right? Like no, no bank of mom and dad, no nothing. So I went, okay, well, I can't do that. 
<laughs> I can't mm-hmm. wait till next year. So I closed up my business and and two weeks later I was uh going back to my real passion, which was, you know, uh sales sales operations basically. Yeah. Well, I think and maybe you're alluding to these like three pivots of like knowing exactly what I want to do <laughs> and transitioning. But you know, again, the whole theme of what I talk about here is that we can do a lot of there's a lot of resources and a lot of programs and a lot of courses and a lot of live events and a lot of Tony Robbins out there that will tell you about how to goal sets and set your vision and this I'm gonna you know manifest my future. And then shit happens, you know? And how you react is ultimately the indicator of how your life ends up going, right? Like nothing happens by accident. So was was there anything, and we you know go back even over the last like twenty years? Is there anything that's happened for you on that timeline where you know you maybe were down a trajectory and you realized that oh man, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. In fact, like I just talked to a guy the other day who said, "Yeah, that was my million dollar mistake," and I was like, "Oh, you only got one of those?" I was like, "Dude, like that's a rite of passage if you're an entrepreneur, you know." Oh, but it's interesting because this is the conversations I have with people like us that like yeah. we're entrepreneurs. No, it, when shit hits the fan, you don't go look for a job. You figure yeah. out innovative ways to solve problems, right? So, anything come up for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'm going to tell you my my experience in Vancouver was both a blessing and a curse. It was mm-hmm. my first experience of really dedicating myself to what I would call my career mode. Like where I was yeah. dedicating myself to working for other people and like trying to be the best employee as I could and all this other stuff. And what I found was like that that concept of the visionary that you were mentioning. I'm not uh yes sir, no sir, uh like just do what you say. Like I'm not that person. Um if I think something's broken, I wanna fix it. I don't wanna do, do broken processes, I don't want to do things inefficiently or you know, burn bridges or cause people pain or whatever else. So I end up finding myself in several situations where I was compromising my own values just to earn a buck. And I mean, to, quite mm. frankly, the buck wasn't that much. I mean, uh, for somebody with with my appetites, I guess you can say, making like a couple hundred thousand dollars for working for someone else is not really that exciting. I'm sorry. And, and I don't want to like, you know, uh, insult anybody out there who who feels like that's a really good salary because it is it is a good salary it's just like for me it's selling my soul for a couple hundred thousand is just not enough you know and so that's what i felt as i'm working for other people as i'm watching these ceos make just dangerous mistakes and being in the company so even though i'm saying things that are at a higher level than the consultants or the board members that they have in their businesses. Um, and I can confirm that because I sit in the room with those people after we talk to the founders and I hang out with them and have coffee and have drinks and like, you know, just shoot the shit. I'm having a peer conversation with the investors and the board members and the boss is thinking that's just the person that I paid. Right. Mm. And so I just, Mm -hmm. I could not buy into that environment. I couldn't buy in. I knew I was at the table with the investors I knew I was in the table of of the uh, advisors and all these things. So I decided that was just not the path for me. I cannot be the VP or C or director or whatever. I have to be the person that is in the boardroom. Maybe, if anything, I will get an investor to pay mm-hmm. me. And I'm still run, seeing my vision to the to the to the end of the table. Like yeah. that's what that's 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 what I recognize. I am not an employee. I'll never be an employee, and that's just how it is. 
Well, it's important to say that out loud, I think, too. And again, that's, you know, I keep saying this over and over again, but like, this is why I did this podcast. It's, you know, this isn't a lead generation tool. This isn't a, like, let me open some doors with people that I normally can't connect with. Like, that's a byproduct. Like, it's literally you saying that out loud. Somebody will watch this and go, I kind of feel like that too, but oh shit, like, where do I start? Like, what's like, so I've always had jobs, you know, like, what do you mean be an entrepreneur? Like, I think just I'm making an assumption here, but you had a family business where your dad, it sounds like you had some entrepreneurial roots in the family, right? Where, where they ran businesses. Do you feel like that maybe contributed to your mindset or your ability to kind of take leaps into being your own boss, as opposed to, uh, you know, rolling into the next job type thing when one thing wasn't working out? Yeah, I think that had something to do with it, but like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be frank. I mean, no one in my, in my, in my family has really been that successful. And I'm not saying that they haven't had good careers and, and things like that or, or decent businesses, but like, um, the sites that I set for myself are extremely high. Um, and, and I, you know, the circle, we're in the same circles, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about when I say this is that I, I set myself really extremely high. And so that was something that was kind of developed, um, on my own through my own journeys because um from a lot of my youth and from a lot of my pretty much most of my life I've been alone I've been alone right like I had a family but they weren't really there there mm-hmm. I had to do my own thing from the time I was about I don't know 11 and on um I was in a situation where home life wasn't exciting it wasn't very nice I had to go out and find my own thing so I'll be honest I did I sold some things that kids shouldn't sell and mm-hmm. I made my own living like when I was young and I did yep. things that were like not exactly ethical, but I mean, I had nothing. I I yep. had no money. I had no clothes. I had like old clothes. Um, if I didn't, you know, cut my grandma's uh, lawn every week for my $10 allowance, I wouldn't have anything. Right. And so I had to go out and do things on my own and, and make my own world. And so from a young age, while like my dad was doing his business and he was traveling the country doing things. And then like my, my mom was working, uh, three jobs or, you know, part-time at Safeway with three boys. And like, it was just me. So, uh, like I said, by the time I was 16, it was a really weird thing because I ended up moving in with my dad for a couple of years and seeing what was happening there. But like, I don't know, Trevor, it's just, when I look back on my entire history my entrepreneurship and my ability to just like pick up and go and just not worry about anybody. It really comes from the fact that I didn't have any safety net whatsoever. Yeah. Like literally nothing. Every time I fell, I fell hard and I fell by myself and I had to pick myself back up. Nobody was there to pick me up. Yeah. So it was just, it was just like, uh, except maybe my grandma, I'm going to say like respect to my grandma. She was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Know, when I need somebody in my family to, you know, say it's okay, Jeff, that she was there, man. That's all. That's I great. Say. The thing that comes to mind here right now is um, knowing the little bit that I know about you and the conversations that we had and and the fact that we got connected through Danielle and we, like, I see how you show up now. Like, you show up in service, you know, like, the kind of stuff that you do every single day in, in Rev Genius, the Rev community, um, with your clients, that type of thing. It's It's very, like, let me see how I can help as a sales strategy, you know, like, that is um, a core, I think, for how you, how you at least show up to me. Yeah. And I know for me, one of the things that I've had to do some really deep work on is to actually see the duality in all circumstances of life, especially those moments where 
you could very easily look at like your childhood and be like, that was a shitty experience and I learned nothing from it and I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Versus that was a shitty experience. It made me at a very young age learn how to be resilient, to rely on myself, to be scrappy, you know, all of these things. What kind of work have you done on that? Or, or like what lands for you when I say that out loud? Because that that was a big, that was a hard one for me to see. Even up, upwards of like five years ago, I was like, no, like that divorce that I went through in 2008, like that sucked, man. I don't want to do that again. But then I was like, wait a second, I wouldn't be who I am today right now if not for that. Okay, I can see some positives in it. Yeah. Well, no, it it, it makes me feel bulletproof, man. Like mm. it makes me feel bulletproof. I've gone through almost everything you can think of and I've come out on top. And every single time something bad has happened to me, I've I've just thrived after. Mm. Like it's kind of like what is it? The uh like a fire breeds like new vegetation or whatever, yeah. right? Like that beautiful new flower comes right out of the bed of rock, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's the kind of the same thing is that I've had these transformations and I've I almost feel like I've gotten addicted to these transformations because I am not at all afraid to fail. Like I, I am not risk averse at all. I don't care if I'm uh, broke for another year or whatever else. I'm. I know what's happening. I know that the best stuff is coming because yeah. every single time I've ever been in hardship or have had pain, I've come out of it with like. Look at this as an example. I lost eight hundred thousand dollars in pipeline. A potential, you know, three four hundred dollar payday for me myself personally yeah. after expenses. You know, and I don't care because now I have a business where I'm actually helping people. I'm seeing the impact in their business, in their lives, in their confidence, in their happiness. And every single day I help people do a thing that is so hard for most is that's building pipeline. And I also help people build a system where they can do it consistently over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've been Ever since, I think, yeah, probably since Future Shop. So since I was about 19 years old, I've believed in doing something like this. I haven't known what it looked like until I was forced to sit there just like half the world or more than half the world (laughs) sitting there at your computer and thinking, what the hell am I going to do now? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Well, especially in... in, uh businesses that literally got shut down, right? Like anything mm-hmm. in the service-based business that required face-to-face interaction was just done, you know? Like I I honestly feel very grateful for the fact of what I do every single day when COVID hits and, you know, some people ask, you know, how how did it impact your business? And I'm like, it it didn't. Like aside from, you know, the obvious of like lockdowns and just, you know, getting used to not being able to do what you normally used to do. But, and then I'd remind people though, too, that, and I kind of joked about it, that in 2005, when I made the choice to quit, you know, my job and become an entrepreneur on my first failed venture, I did it with this in mind. Like it's 15 years in the making of knowing that if the world has a massive catastrophe where I need to rely on myself, that I'm going to be okay. And when that happened, I was like, holy, like that. This is what I, this is what it was for. I didn't know it was COVID. I didn't know it was COVID, yeah. but that confidence gets built over time. The more times you fail and get back up and realize that, like, oh man, I got this. Like, this is all happening for a reason. Yeah, so I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you said that out loud. The transformation, addicted to transformation, I think, really sums sums it up too. Right? It's mm-hmm. almost 
I was kind of giggling to myself when you said that because I've said to people numerous times that um, I've for a for a period between like 2010 to 2015, I kind of wished I had a better, I don't want to say sob story, but a better like uh, fail failing story. It was yeah. weird, man. It was almost like I was inviting the next bad thing to happen. And I had to become very conscious of that, of like, I'm creating all of this stuff. Like, shift your beliefs, man, you know? But you yep. do get addicted to it, you know? It's almost like you get yep. addicted to the success and the failures and the yep. F you, let me show you how I'm going to get up and do it all over again. Does that does that land for you? Oh, well, it's it's so crazy. It's because, like, you know that how good it feels to, to you know, close that 100K deal or or whatever else after you've had three bad months. Yeah. You know, how good it feels. It's like nothing. It, and I mean, if last month was 75K and or 90K and then I closed 100, okay, it's better, but it doesn't have that same rush. So it's kind of like me, I'm picturing it when you're talking, I'm picturing a roller coaster, right? People love roller coasters going like this because of that thrill up and down. And like, like you said, I, I need to, and I've been doing a lot of work on this this year is I need to kind of level out and just get used to just progressing. Just progressing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But yeah, I'm working. I've been doing it all summer. It's been great to actually just have ups, which is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, a lifetime of ups. Yeah. Uh, only. Yeah. Well, I think I've seen you share a lot lately, too, within the last, like, four months or so about the importance of slowing down taking breaks, like literally just walking away, spending time with family and how I know for me, like I've, I've aligned with that now to be like, this is actually serving me. Like before I'd feel anxiety of like, Oh, but I've got so much to do and I need to keep pushing. But now it, it, it just, it feels good to stop. And, um, you're constantly reminding people of that in the work that you're doing right now. Is that a new thing for you too? Like, have you felt over the years where you just feel like you constantly got to be hustling? You know, it's interesting. I actually learned this lesson probably 12 years ago mm. when my second venture, somebody told me, cause I was, I literally, so I actually burnt my fingers mm. uh, off. Like I can't use, you know, the uh, touch pads on laptops. Yeah, I literally can't use those. So when I use them, it immediately inflames my fingers and I can't use them. So the reason why is that my first venture, I would get up at seven in the morning and work straight through midnight. And I was coding a social social media website with my bare hands on a laptop with no mouse. So I was just using the trackpad. And I did this for probably eight months straight. Um, and I, I taught myself how to code. I taught myself how to do HTML and I was creating this thing with a team of developers and I was helping out and doing, uh, like doing design and strategy and all that stuff. And I really had this vision. I wanted to see it through and I knew I could do it with my hands. And I burnt myself out bad physically, mentally, like literally and figuratively, whatever you want to say. Yeah. So by the time I, that's when I was still in Winnipeg. So I, I, I was in Winnipeg at the time and then I moved out to Vancouver and I just decided to do things differently. Mm. And so as soon as I got there, so I got there in January 09, first thing I did was I booked a networking event with the Vancouver Young Professionals. And the first thing I did when I met with them is I signed up with the hockey team. Mm. And uh, like, I just went at it completely different than the year before. 
And I said, I'm not going to do the stuff with my hands. And I hired a coder to do all the things that I was doing. I did like, I basically just reframed how I did it. And it was all because somebody said to me, I don't remember who it was. I really wish I did. But they said, the work will never end. The work will always be there. Mm-hmm. And they, and then it went into a conversation around like how to actually rethink how, how you're doing what you're doing. And so I recognized that if you're, if you're sitting there and you're working all day, all night, you can hustle, you can do all that stuff, but like, you're going to burn out. You're going to be less effective. You're going to be useless for your family. And like, you know, you talk about divorce, you talk about like, you know, those big mistakes, those big family mistakes that hurt way more than any business mistake, yeah. right? Because uh, you, you had this vision of a life and then it disappeared, right? And so I recognize that the reason I want, I, my motivation, my why for doing what I do is to have a great life with my family. And so I wouldn't say it's new, but what you're seeing now in recent months is more the evolution of that concept of like, first, the work is always going to be there. And two, remember why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sacrifice my motivation for doing this stuff to see this stuff work. Yeah. And I know I've found that you can have everything that you want and it doesn't have to be a this or that scenario, right? So I'm glad you said it out loud. All right. So I'm (laughs) conscious of our time here and I want to make sure that we get through the the power of one. So we call it the lightning round, but please don't feel like you need to answer these in like one word answers. But this book right here was, you know, it was another piece of a foundation of of how I choose to show up and the businesses that I run and how I support people and stuff. Cause I'm just a big believer in like just just get focused, just do one thing and do it really freaking well and then and then move on to the next thing, you know? Yep. So all of these questions are themed around uh one. So the power of one. So I'll fire through these and like I say, feel free to elaborate on your answers as much as you want. Uh first question is. Who is one person or mentor that has been, that has been the most influential in your life? So all time, you can go back to childhood. You know, I, I actually have several, but I'm going to say that in my world today, um, the one person that keeps me focused in what I'm doing today is a university professor that at the time I didn't really respect, kind of liked, but not really. Um, but his his entire theme for me was just do it. So uh, he taught me Salesforce management. That was, that was a course. He also taught me intro to marketing and he was the only professor in my whole school that would take all the students out for beers after the end of the semester, just to get to know them and talk to them. I thought he was weird. Didn't, I don't know, but the thing, (laughs) the lessons that he taught really held me, uh, held to me to this day where every time I sit there and I think, I don't want to prospect today. I don't want to record a video. Uh, I, his words come out, just do it. Just get yeah. out there and do it. Yeah. You know, so that that's a huge one for me. Awesome. That actually, so this may tie into the second question here because the second question is, who is one person or mentor that is the most influential in your life right now? So you uh-huh. kind of referenced it like, well, this person kind of is right now, but is there anybody that, and this doesn't have to be, you know, a teacher or anything like that, but just anybody around you that you feel is, just influential in how you show up every single day. So somebody in influential in my world right now. Um, well, I'm going to say like Danielle's a huge influence on me in that regard. Um, mm. So Danielle Grant, I mean, she's the one person that I can trust will always call me out if I'm thinking in the wrong way. 
but yeah. she does it in a way that is productive and not negative. Um, and I need that in my world because I do have fantastic mentors who are, I'm going to say they wear kid gloves, you know, they, they're political or not, not political, but more like gentle. Right. Mm. Um, and, and there's value in that and there's tremendous value in what they do, but like I'm w- working at a tremendously fast pace, like almost like a new person every week. Mm. I'm doing a new business. I'm, I got a new offer. I got like something new every week. And like, um, having somebody like her to, 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 you know, bounce ideas off of and just, you know, like her and I work really closely together on like just building our, each other's businesses. And that's kind of yeah. like our, our partnership, friendship, whatever you want to call it, um, is, is really built around that. And so, um, just having her there and meeting with her once a week, twice a week, a few times a, a week, whatever, it's like, it really keeps me grounded. And it really keeps me on the right path. So, um, for anybody out there li- listening, like definitely got to reach out to Danielle because she'll change your life. Yeah. Yeah. We have that in common as well. Yeah. Danielle's kicked me in the ass a few times too, going like, <laughs> does that really sound like it's in alignments? Like, are you lying to yourself right now? And you're like, damn it. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I am a man of integrity. You are correct. <laughs> yeah. You need, everybody needs one of those in their life for sure. Everybody needs a Danielle. Exactly. All right. Next question is what is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? See, this is interesting because, um, there's so many reasons for this, uh, is, is one of the reasons why I was so engaged with the flood prevention mm-hmm. is that, um, climate change is, is real. It's here. Um, and there are so many people out there that are either, just completely unaware of its effects on them personally, or they're ignorant of it. And I just, in in any way, shape or form, I just want people to be truly aware. And again, I'm not like, don't, don't mis- misunderstand how I'm saying this is that they need to understand that the effects of natural things happening in front of them, they're real and they're not getting better. They're not getting better at all. They're getting worse. And I've seen the data from the flood business, like I've seen the data in flooding. Um, I've watched the the world records be beaten in flooding every year for the past at least four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've lived, you know, you live in the same place. I've lived under smoke for yeah. this entire summer. And this yeah. is, if, of the four summers I've been here, two of those summers has been under smoke for most of the summer. Yeah. So I've had yeah. two summers where I pay the sunshine tax, as they say, for the Okanagan. and. No I don't sunshine. get the sunshine. I ordered mm-hmm. the sunshine, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and so yeah. there, the like my philanthropic cause is, I really, really just want people to focus on low emission vehicles, zero emission vehicles, in whatever they can do, whatever you can do to just take it back, you know, go yeah. back the other direction and stop harming the environment. Let's fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one to bring up because. I saw your post about that too, about, cause did you get pushed out of your house as well? Or did you guys choose to leave for a little bit? Yeah. I, like I, I, I realized the post was a little misleading there. It wasn't like we were in danger from the fires. It was more of that. Um, my wife and I have really hard time breathing in the smoke. Yeah. And then, um, our daughter was starting to get like a harsh throat. And so, yeah. and I mean, COVID has been a challenge on everybody's mental health. So, I mean, being stuck in the middle of summer under in Mars, it was just like, it was harming our mental health, our physical health. We had to get out for our sanity and our health. Yeah. So we left, we literally left our home for four weeks and we couch surfed at our friends and family out West. And like, 
I, I mean, it, it's polarizing for me because it's both amazing that my friends and family were able to take us in and be such good hosts. And like, you know, I was able to visit people I haven't seen in a year and things like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, having to do that, it was heart, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very important. And it's something that's, um, I think just in the last month, even for me, like, you know, I watched Seaspiracy, which if anybody's never seen that one, like watch that one, that one will scare the shit out of you and make your eyes open up and realize that. And it's, to me, it feels like it's the same conversation with everything, even COVID, you know, like COVID terrible. Don't believe it's not real. All that kind of stuff. Like it's real. It's real. But what is the root cause of what the problem is right now? And we're talking, you're, you just mentioned like mental health. Yes. Personal responsibility. Yes. Physically taking care of yourself and eating healthy and not, you know what I mean? Like yep. that's what's come up for me in the last month where I'm like, because naturally your brain goes to like, well, what kind of impact can I have on the, on the climate, right? Yep. It's that. It's literally have the conversations, change the mindset, focus on the right things and at least that's what I hear you saying. I feel like we're aligned on that. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because like, even if, you know, the, the, the seaspiracy as an example, even the conversation about straws, even if the straws represent such a minor impact that even if everybody gets rid of straws forever, it won't make a difference. It's just more of the mindset and the mentality in going that direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you could say that with literally anything you talk in politics, you talk in like, healthcare, you talk in whatever, yeah. as long as you're on the right path of like, my goal is not my own person, my own personal living. It's the betterment of the community, the betterment of the environment, the betterment of my neighbor, the betterment of my children. Like if you just focus external, that mindset is going to make a better world. I don't care what freaking cause just to pick one out of a hat, Trevor, pick yeah. it. And that mentality of outward focus as opposed to inward focus and we are going to have a better world period no doubt mic drop well i still got a few more questions for you we can't end there (laughs) can't drop it it's too heavy (laughs) (laughs) um what is one thing that you are most grateful for right now i'm actually super grateful for my family to be perfectly honest having to couch surf with anyone for four weeks um and road trip and you know, work beside while they're trying to sleep because we only have one freaking room to hang out in all three of us, you know, like all that stuff. I'm just so grateful that my family was able to just be there for me and understand when, when daddy's on a call, uh, you know, going to be quiet. My daughter used to (laughs) like not understand it and she'd just cause a ruckus. Now she'll quietly come in and she'll hug me when I'm on a call (laughs) and then she'll walk Mm -hmm. away and she'll go, like I'm leaving. Yeah. So I, I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing you are most curious about right now? So like wanting to discover more on feeling that you just don't know enough and you're, you want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm not going to lie. And this is going to sound bad. So please uh, just trust me on this, but I'm actually vulnerable, curious. honest conversations. Remember vulnerable. Yeah. And Be honest, yeah. man. I'm honestly curious of why so many people are against vaccines in the situation we're in, why people are uh, protesting in front of hospitals when people are dying because they don't want to wear a mask or they don't want to have a vaccine. Like, I understand intellectually 
why somebody would care more about their personal liberties and all that stuff and and why they're afraid of the government of of you know imposing their will and 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 all this I totally understand intellectually but in my soul I can't understand why I would be so afraid to put a thing of paper over my face and why that's something I want to fist fight people for or like mm. protest for I just I I want to understand it I want to somehow just at least empathize with the ideas on it because right now I'm feeling very not empathetic. Like I'm, and, and I'm feeling very unempathetic. And all I see is these people are standing in the way of me living a normal life and having normal business conversations and just being able to have my kid go to school without a mask on. And like, I, I just, I cannot for the life of me understand it or empathize. And I'm, and I pride myself on being an empathetic and understanding person. So I want to mm. figure that out. And I know that some, a lot of people on who listening to this are going to be on the other side so maybe you can hit me up and let me know, like, what the fuck am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're saying it out loud, though. The most important part about it, which is let's start the conversation and at least yeah. talk through it, right? It's like, I know Danielle, we keep bringing Danielle up because we have this common connection, but I know there's there's a lot of disruption right now, you know? And Danielle's really leaning into the spiritual work and really understanding the roots of, again, why do people show up the way that they do? And most of it's fear-based, you know, on both sides of the spectrum. It's not a pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine conversation. It's more just like a, man, there's so much anger in this world. There's so much divisiveness. There's so much um, lack of empathy, right? And I can relate to it, man. Like, I'll jump on the bandwagon with you with regards to lack of empathy because I feel that some days too for different topics, right? And then it's important. Like, it's it's the part that's probably going to really tear apart this world if we don't figure out how to actually face those things. At least well, and, I believe it's... And, and Trevor, that's actually my point, is that I don't want to feel this way. I like healthy mm-hmm. debate. I like the fact we live in a world and in a country that you're allowed to be different than other people and feel different and, and believe different things. And, like, I don't want to feel the way that I'm feeling right now about this. I get, I met with a friend I respect yesterday. I love this guy, his family, and they were protesting and we had a conversation. I was, I got so heated. I never get heated for these conversations ever. Like I, mm. I'm always like rational and I'm like, I can see your side. I can see your side. And I can't right now. And I'm just, mm. I want somebody to help me understand. Yeah. So I don't feel this way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's important work to look within. I know, um, I'm not sure if you know Dr. Nima Ramani or not, but he has a term that he uses that people are trying to figure out how to become trigger-proof. And it's about the neurolo- neurologic, neurological aspect of just the way that our body makeup is and biochemistry, the way we think, um, the chemical reaction in our body when we see something that's outside of what we agree with how certain situations that you can't control will still like create a reaction inside of you that actually creates disease. You know what I mean? Like this is a big conversation, but I'm glad that we're talking through it because this is um, some of the important things that really matter right now. Mm-hmm. See the rabbit hole. The question is the rabbit hole. That was all right, I know. right there. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and hey, you know what? This is maybe the thing that we'll pick up on too. In in like, because one of the intents on doing this podcast is like, this isn't a once and done kind of conversation. Like you and I'll line up a time in six months and go, hey, what's changed? How empathetic yeah. you feeling nowadays, Jeff? You know, like, yeah. 
that's the fun part about this is to just see how people's thoughts change, how their beliefs change, how they show up change, all of this stuff. So yeah. we'll revisit that one later. Um, so two, <laughs> two more questions. Two more questions for you. What is one thing that scares you right now that you know you must meet with bravery? Is there anything that comes to mind? I'll, I, in all honesty, the thing that scares me right now is... Um, not unleashing who I am inside sometimes. Uh, mm. when, I, when I don't feel empathy, I don't like feeling that way because I'm afraid of who I am when I don't have empathy. I'm afraid of myself, Trevor. I'll be perfectly honest. Because Speaking when I don't have truth. empathy, I am very, very, um, I mean, I'm just going to say dangerous. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's great to say it out loud, though. Like It creates awareness to actually know that that's probably the most important work that you could be doing on at this time right now, you know, yep. but how, but where, right. So then that's again, part of the conversation. Maybe I'll send you some information on Nima. Like I think you'll really enjoy his stuff too. And there'll be pieces of it where you'll, where you may not align with, and there'll be pieces where it'll get you to start thinking about things differently too. Yeah. At least it cracks the nut and see where it goes, you know? Last thing is just, number one, just want to acknowledge you, man, for coming on and having the conversation with me. I appreciate it. Um, didn't give you a whole lot of context even prior to coming here, aside from like, let's just have a good chat. And I see how you show up every single day. And I know that um, you're the kind of person that I could spend time with and I choose to spend time with. So just want to say I appreciate you and uh, I enjoy these chats. And how can people find out more about you? How can people connect with you? Yeah, thank you so much, Trevor. Back at you, man. I really appreciate you bringing me on. And just the the few conversations we've had have always been great. So I I really do appreciate you as well. Um, How people can get to know me. I mean, LinkedIn is probably your best bet. Find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Find me on any social platform. It's Jeff's 118. Just whatever it is, that's my handle. Um, That's the uh, old hockey number, I'm guessing? Uh, it, it is. It's also my birthday, <laughs> the hockey number. Like, oh, there you go. A lot for me. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and also, if if you know you are find yourself struggling with sales, or you know somebody who's struggling with outbound sales, specifically generating their pipeline, um, please check out my website. It's go.outboundsos.com. So outboundsos.com with a little go in front of it. Um, that, uh, that is where you want to go to sign up for our free training. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link all that up too. Um, I know I learn a lot from you just in the stuff that you're sharing and you and I have talked recently even too about exactly how you're structuring your offers and, and who you best serve and all that kind of stuff. And we're, we're going to find a way to work together here in the future, man. I know that we are, um, but regardless, you know, I know that I'm of the same mindset that if we can help elevate people's ability to just be better at sales, that sales drives everything. Sales drives businesses. Sales drives people's enrollments into being the greatest version of themselves. All of it, right? It's all sales. We're all in sales. So if we, (laughs) yeah, if we collaborate and we can help more people, then let's do that shit, man. Cause that just feels good. You know? Absolutely. All right. So there's the mic drop right there. Thanks again, Jeff. I appreciate this. (laughs) For sure, Trevor. Take care. Bye. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 